On this, the very first episode of The Synchronauts, we're going to dig into why we're doing this podcast and what led us down this path. The initial spark was a documentary series that hit both of us like a freight train at just the right time. This series didn't just bring two old friends back together for some epic conversations, though it did do that in a big way. But it also awakened something in us that, at least for as long as we can recall, has remained silent and sleeping. And that right there, folks, is the crux of this whole damn thing. Join us as we explore the world of that documentary called Hellier. When Doctor Strange does this, at the end he says one way, you mm-hmm. know, and then Iron Man, see you see that look on on Robert Downey Jr.'s Iron Man's face, yeah, you know, and he just dives for it, and he's like, "I'm gonna die." Like, Fuck. Yeah, yeah, you, know, you knew it. Yeah, you like, definitely he know knows. It, yeah, that it's gonna kill him. You know. Yeah, it's crazy. Because I mean, Gamma, you know, Gamma, bro, Gamma. Gamma. Gamma Gamma. Gamma Jamma. Yeah, welcome to the Synchronauts Podcast. We're going to dive into Hellier. Hellier, hell yeah. Hellier, hell yeah. That's spelled H-E-L-L-I-E-R. Yeah, man. On the YouTube, you can get that for free. And that's what started this whole damn thing. It's pretty heavy. Yeah. We just, it kept pushing us towards doing something. I'm a podcast addict. Me too. You know, and um, once you and I both reconnected over that because I mean we you and I I mean we hung out constantly over 10 years ago and Hellier a synchronicity in itself bringing us back together you know yeah and also to give credit to uh, Hellier's legitimacy of a documentary is the fact that they were guests on a Mysterious Universe oh like, yeah great know, podcast great podcast Love legendary podcast Benjamin Grundy and Aaron Wright my favorite Aussies. Yes, very and, uh, nice. They uh, they had the Hellier folks on their show, and they are very good at bringing legitimate people, you know. Oh, for sure, yeah. That's like, um, you know, when you see UFO stuff going on on Rogan, it's like, okay, well... <laughs> yeah. Gotta at least give this some sort of credit. It's time for full disclosure. Oh my god, it's been time for disclosure for so long. It has. And you know, it, But I don't even know we don't we don't know what this thing is behind the door anyway. I mean, especially with what we're going to talk about with Hellier, that UFO thing, man. I mean, this is included. The weird ultra terrestrial stuff like Mothman and things like that. The goblins. Like I we don't even know what they would really be disclosing to us or what they actually know. What if it's something so ridiculous that, like, yeah, it would literally possibly disrupt our entire planet? I don't know. You know, I mean... Until we're ready for it. Disinformation has been an agenda of people in power for a very long time. Mm-hmm. The question is, was it to keep people safe or was it to keep those people in power? I really think that's where most of the eye-rolling comes from. When someone makes a claim or tells a friend about a wild claim, I'm sure you've been one of those friends. I have. Oh, yeah. And the eye-rolling comes from, well, I don't, I'm don't. i not on that side. I'm on this side. I'd rather think 
that it's just for our safety. You know, <laughs> when I see the eyes roll, I try to keep eye contact, and it just makes me it just makes me dizzy. It makes you look like a pigeon. It does. It does. <laughs> so the stars of the series, uh, Greg and Dana Newkirk, they've been a part of uh, the paranormal world for most of their lives. It seems they even showed like flashback videos of them as teenagers doing it, like. Ghost hunting, oh, yeah, their and original like that. website from yeah, way yeah. Back. That's the whole yeah. Actually, that's the connection, right? The it's the original website that they had made when they were teenagers, and they kind of kept it alive. And then suddenly, that email came. When you stare into the abyss, the abyss stares back. Sometimes it takes a decade or two. <laughs> yeah, because he would he would just like go back to the website occasionally and check it. And sure enough, one time in 2012, there was an email from a really weird guy claiming there was goblins on his property. And he's like, how is this? Why is this coming to me? I'm a paranormal guy, if anything. And he didn't know why that would be connected, at least not then. And so I'm watching this series. I'm going, okay, goblins? So silly. Like, this has to be like- some cool scripted thing. I'm, maybe it's going to get really intense later on. I'm in it for the ride, even if it was fiction. You know what I mean? Sure. But then it wasn't fiction. <laughs> it just really wasn't. And that's... I, I kept comparing it to the Blair Witch. Mm-hmm. Back when that came out with all the... I guess you could say disinformation that they created around it with all the websites and forums uh, with experiences with the Blair Witch and survivors and things like that. So I was sold that these guys were trying to launch their careers in the paranormal world by doing this, you know? But then the more you look into it, these guys are totally legit. They really are. Absolutely. And they're excited to share this. It's free. They're not charging for this entire series. It's pretty great. You know, like, I remember when Blair Witch came out, I went with my girlfriend at the time to see the movie, and she was terrified. And I was not, you know? And then, like, a month later, those three actors come out on some... Is it the Oscars? You know? The grand- oh, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> and they're like, thanks, we're alive. I mean, if anything else, it was just very dishonest. A very dishonest way of... It's like guerrilla filmmaking, almost. Yeah, that's a good way to put it. I mean, I don't think that can really exist in that fashion anymore. No, no, the there's way too much... Too rampant. There, there's too much ability to be fact-checking now, you know? Yeah, because those can be trusted, too. Oh, well, yeah. But you can at least find out if people are still alive when they make a mockumentary now. That's true. Yeah, definitely. (laughs) Yeah. I mean, so what's crazy about this story is that it seems to bring paranormal elements with goblins, which where would we put goblins? Cryptids, maybe? I don't know where to put goblins. (laughs) I've never really thought thoroughly about goblins. I mean, would he be friends with ghosts, or would he be friends with Bigfoot? I I don't know where to put a goblin. Are you speaking of goblin as as one? Well, as just the the archetype of it. Like, how, what what kind of category do we put a goblin into? I guess guess a cryptid. I think of Dungeons and Dragons. Yeah, yeah. So, like, people see Bigfoot and werewolves and shit like that, maybe. It's, yeah, I guess he could could consider it cryptid. cryptid. I did not consider it, like, paranormal by any means. But then... But aren't cryptids paranormal? They are, I guess. I mean, when you think about a lot of uh, Bigfoot cases... Ah, the Squatch. The Squatch... Like so many of them, 
involve sightings of orbs, too, which is really strange. They seem to go together. I feel like sometimes orbs are clues or warnings before something happens. That's sometimes, possible. You know? You know but, but sometimes people just see the orbs and they run and they don't get the next whatever. Well, that's true. That's true. You know? Yeah. I think... Yeah, it's split right down the middle, you know? <laughs> Two different types of people. Like us, we run towards the orbs. <laughs> for sure. <laughs> I do sometimes. Depends sometimes. On, d- depends on where I am. Yeah. You know? I think in the moment... It's weird because they say if you were to encounter, like, an alien or an ultra-terrestrial or whatever, uh, you have this, like, reptilian brain automatic response that, like, your hair stands up on all edges. You freeze. So it's like... Maybe that's why so many bad films come out, or not films, but like pieces of footage of UFOs come out because everyone's still so like struck that they yeah, can't even like, get their camera out and stay but that's, still. That's that struck and taking the camera out. That that's when I walk forward. Oh yeah, you know? exactly. Yeah, yeah, I agree. I'm like, well, I mean, <laughs> life has been basic until this moment, and then the next day, life will be basic again, and you can go back to things. Yeah, exactly. You know? It's. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> I mean, funny thing is, I, I've never seen a UFO, ever. But I know people that have. Mm-hmm. I've had experiences with ghosts. Undeniable experiences with ghosts. Those are types of things that would definitely put you into a mindset to think about these things, too. I also think that the, the more you disclose about the things you learn, I mean, again, like, yeah, when you stare into the abyss, the abyss stares back, you know? For sure. And it's not just a creepy saying. It's a mirror. It's a mirror. You gotta yeah, for sure. You you gotta be ready for this type of new I don't wanna say existence, but this this next thing this next idea. That, yeah. That life is much more sometimes fun. Sometimes <laughs> scary. Sometimes I mean, scary, but I mean fear is the mind killer. Oh of course. You know? Like you the more you learn, the more you know. The more you no. know that you don't know. Yeah, it's like, with, <laughs> and you know, no, knowledge is power, but with great power comes great responsibility, right, Spider Man? Yes, yeah, Spider Man. You know, yes. and that, that's a, a really good phrase. It is. You know, it makes sense. So yeah, I mean, yeah, I did see UFOs uh, last year or two years ago now. I don't know. I'll have to look through my Google pictures and see what the date is yeah. on it. I mean, I've but, certainly um, seen. I've certainly seen unidentified okay, fair enough. objects yes, as yes. by the definition of those three letters. Yeah. Okay. But nothing that's like the, the Phoenix lights or anything. No, I've like never that. seen like something so confirmed. But this I mean, okay, I'll give you I saw a green comet once. That's pretty a comet? A fucking green comet. Are you sure it wasn't? Well, like a I don't know if it was. It might have been, but it was well, like a comet's like. That's it might have been. Gonna, a you're going to see sure, a, sorry, comet a comet for a long no, yeah, yeah. time. A yeah. comet you just see floating and yeah, with a tail. Yeah, fucking ice cube I, I, up in space. I saw a, so let's like, yeah. That's <laughs> how I explain it to my two-year-old son. Green ice meteorite. Cubes. A green meteorite. That's While sick. I was listening to Typo Negative, oh, that's beautiful. Who, 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 they love the color, color green. is green. You know, that band's <laughs> yeah, color is green. Definitely. And I was like, oh, there, there's a synchronicity for you. you know? <laughs> yeah, damn right. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, my UFO experience, I will say that there were elements to it that did make me think there's no way it wasn't intelligently controlled. Mm-hmm. So, but there was, it was also far away that, and it wasn't a trick of my eyes. I have it on camera, but I would say, unless I get some good video editing equipment, you know, 
I'm probably the only one that can see them in the picture real quick, unless I really point it out real fast. Sure. It's a short video because yep. I didn't get my phone out in time. But I was looking up at the sky. I was outside with my son, and I'm looking at the trails from a 747. And sure, because I'm, I'm always pointing planes out to them and stuff like that. Sure. So I'm like, hey, look, it's a plane. And then I'm looking at the trails, and sure enough, back on the trails, there's little objects, little white glimmering objects, which oh. of course could be anything, right? Sure. But they were whipping around and taking hard angles up there. Like they were floating and then all of a sudden they weren't floating. They were going into like weird little maneuvers and then they'd stop. And then they would literally, I could literally see that the big swoops that they were doing were going around one side of the chemtrails or whatever you call them. <laughs> that might be the conspiracy name for them. Uh, and up and around the front of them because I could literally see them disappear behind it and then come up and around it. So these, so I mean, I don't know how far wide those big plumes of gas are that come out of the airplane, the exhaust. I think it's pretty wide though. It's like, you know, you got big engines and everything. So they were just doing these big maneuvers around them. And so I got the phone out at that point after already seeing them do some weird shit. And then I tried to zoom in a little bit while I was recording, but what all you can really make out after I get it steady near the end is one of them taking off in one direction. Oh my. In a beam. Like, and that's the first time that, that it went in like a straight line of any kind. Other than that, it was doing weird flips and stuff. And then all of a sudden it just jets off. That's all you can see in the video. I'll show it to you. I'll that's tell what you is. what I think that is. But the thing I is, but before I could, what I couldn't show on the video was the other four objects just one, two, three, four blinked out of existence. And I've seen that in other videos recently of UFOs, of like clusters that will just blink out and stuff like that. But yeah, go ahead. I think that those are UFOs that are sentient. Now, I'm not saying ships. Not, you're not, talking about the sentient ships. Yeah, I see what you're well, saying. Well, I'm, I'm talking about some sort of sentient life that is just kind of hooked on chemtrails. Like, they like it. Interesting. And then and, and then that, uh, this is a half joke. Hooked and on it was chemtrails. Like, it was like, because you said it was spinning around the trail from the... the, the so it was exhaust. like, I love this. And he was like... Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it, was just, it was just taking a hit. And it was like, I'm good. And then, <laughs> just, off. And then it's just, boom. His other you know? four buddies just couldn't take it. And they were like, <laughs> oh, man, out of existence. this ain't going to work. It's saying where you, you got this. Yeah, man. You got this. But yeah, that I do have the video. I'll show it to you afterwards. And you can't make out much. You can just make out that one beaming off to the side at the end. But I mean, there's certainly and stuff like there's that. certainly gigantic football sized ships that have been seen by a lot of people. The Phoenix Lights story from I, the 90s. early nineties, I think. Yeah, yeah. The nineties, sometime. That and there's a really great movie that came out um, maybe two or three years ago called Phoenix Forgotten. Yeah. Which, you see that? I've seen some of it, I think. Executive produced by the good Ridley Scott. It was Ridley yeah. Scott, that's right. Yeah, I don't... Maybe that wasn't the one I saw, but I knew I had that on my radar, at least. It's it really good. good. It uses it a lot of documentary footage. Sweet. Yeah, and it's, the ending is mind-blowing. Nice. Like, like terrifyingly mind-blowing. Very good. Yeah, we're and definitely going to have to get into some, like, we'll have some movie episodes. Oh, yeah, yeah. Definitely. We That's have right, a couple of friends that are in the, uh, oh, yeah, fellow synchronauts. Fellow synchronauts. We are all synchronauts. We are all synchronauts in this. We are not the synchronauts. Exclusively. You. Yes. 
We are all synchronous. You are synchronous too. Yes. Without even knowing it. Yes, but now you will know it. And now you know it because we're telling you. Exactly. Yes. So what's interesting about Hellier, well, there's many interesting things. Yes, but tell, tell we us. We were just more. talking about the UFO stuff, and like, oddly enough, this group of paranormal investigators and end up having these connections with like Indrid Cold and the Mothman to hear it talked about randomly in this completely unrelated story. Hellier just threw me for a loop. I didn't know what to think. I'm like, okay, now I don't think it's fiction because why would they purposely throw in something out of pop culture? Everyone right away would call bullshit that they were trying to like popularize themselves and make a strong connection to carry the, the theme. You know what I mean? Sure. This was not yeah. like that. Sorry. I know I come from a debunking point of view, but I'm we, trying to, that's should. literally where I was when I started watching this. So yeah, I wanted to talk a little bit about some of the pieces of technology they use, which I hadn't really heard of these specifically, but in general, when it comes to paranormal stuff, like EMP or what is it, EMF recorders and stuff like that. Anyway, the Spirit Box is a a radio tuner that uses a frequency sweeper, so it can sweep through every like AM, FM channel in seconds, so it's just a a, a storm of noise basically and um, it, it just the sweeper goes at like different millisecond intervals if you wanted to it goes crazy speeds so during this time you'll hear snippets and phrases that are believed to be controlled by or spoken by spirits and it's a crazy scene yeah now, even Ghost Hunters acknowledge that there is a lot of audio pareidolia that, uh, that happens and that not every word heard is a direct communication. Uh, pareidolia, for those that are unfamiliar, is kind of like, it's kind of like a, a game of telephone almost, where like, it really depends on what you're feeling, you're kind of leading yourself, you're hearing something that's not it's, really there. It's very hard to, to completely cut out personal ego. Yeah, that's exactly what I was just going to say. Yeah. I was going to say ego. Yeah. That's really what it is. Especially if you're in that field, you might feel you're pushed towards a certain direction. So you got to be mindful of that when using these things. you got to be totally open. The spirit box, uh, it, it goes, it's, it's very simple. It's just that. So you're listening to, you know, whatever voices and trying to pick things out. But this Estes method, or Estes, however they pronounce Estes Park in Colorado which is what it's named after, that's when it gets really freaky because they bring in the noise-canceling headphones. They're blindfolded, so they can't even read lips or facial expressions or anything. Is that when they're back-to-back? No, that's the second time. That's when yeah, they're that's, doing that's, that's when they're the doing end, the yeah. god helmet with the the uh, the Estes, Estes method. Yep. But the so just alone the Estes method with the spirit box is creepy enough because you're forcing that bl- that like blind situation where mm. they're picking up radio signals from the the uh, the spirit box or the you know the record the radio thing, and they're spitting out whatever they think is important, mm-hmm. whatever they feel they're saying out loud, but they can't even hear their own voice say it. And you can tell, too. You know how sometimes if you can't hear yourself, yeah. you start to mumble your words and stuff? Oh, yeah. So... Had many of those situations uh, in the studio. Yeah, I bet. Yeah. When the monitors are turned off oh, and yeah. shit. So you can tell that they're not faking it or anything. And they're just... They're giving their counterparts whatever words are coming to them 
or whatever phrases are coming out. And all the while, their his counterparts are literally asking questions about Hellier, the town, about these goblins, about all this kind of shit. And what this guy gives back to them is just too uncanny to to take as coincidence. And the door is open with the, when you, when you watch this. I think it's cool that they named this Estes method with the spirit box and the headphones and the blindfold and everything. They named it after Estes Park, which is the place where the famous hotel, uh, the Stanley Hotel is, where uh, Stephen King stayed, and it was famously haunted. Right. He may or may not have had an experience and wrote The Shining afterwards. You know, and that's the famous Stanley Hotel. I would love to go there and check it out. <laughs> be a bit of a drive. Yeah. Yeah, just a bit. Probably yeah. a day and a half. I mean, I've done like 12-hour drives to get to places of positive energy, you know? I mean, that's a good good reason to go. Like when I went to the uh, Serpent Mound. Oh, yeah. I want to go back there with you. I want to see that, man. It's... I remember my friend Ash that I went with, she... She was like, do you think it's time to go? And the second she said it, it started downpouring. There was barely a cloud in the sky. And I'm like, yep. <laughs> <laughs> Clearly time. I think we're good. You know? The serpent and, um, has blessed you. <laughs> yes. And, um, but as you mentioned the Stanley Hotel, I'd like to share story, uh, a ghost story. Oh, please do. My most undeniable ghost story was uh, when we went to the Orleans Inn and something, but it's in Orleans, Massachusetts. Mm-hmm. And before we booked the the room, we had seen a, a special on the History Channel or National Geographic about the most haunted room is room five, you know? And so I call up, and I'm like, hey, is room five available? And... The gal chuckles and goes, you actually want room four. Oh. And I'm like, oh, well, and she, she says on the phone, we know why you're coming. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And I'm like, okay. That's great. So we get there and turn on the TV. We're watching because they, uh, we're just waiting for activity. Yeah. And, um. There's there's a, a book, it's like Hauntings of New England, something like that, and um, the owner of the hotel, really nice guy, he, he, when we got there, he brought a copy of the book to us, and he's oh, like, right. oh, here here's the book that the article, the article, our part is featured in, you know, I'm like, oh, good, good, so we're watching Futurama, <laughs> nice. because they only had cable. Yeah. You know, it's all right. We were we were there for ghosts. We didn't, <laughs> yeah. we didn't need Netflix. No. We, did, we didn't bring the iPads, you know. No. We're just waiting for activity. So Futurama's going, and we hear this scraping across the roof of the room we're in. It sounds like gigantic hands nice. just going across, back and forth, like... Oh, <laughs> that's so metal. It is. <laughs> and, um... It's just going back and forth. Funny thing is, it went on for like 10 minutes, and neither one of us were like, oh shit, we gotta pay attention to this. 
and we shut the TV off, and it starts to get louder. It's like, back and forth across what sounds like the a room above us. We thought that somebody was moving a table back and forth uh-huh. above us. Or hawking a bunch of loogies. Or something, you know? <laughs> but no, no, it wasn't. I mean, I'm sounding like loogies right now. It's like, it was like, like shh. Like it sounded like like metal fingertips on the on the roof of the damn place. Like the you know? same sound that Reagan heard at the beginning of The Exorcist before it happened. Maybe they were hearing scratching above them. <laughs> yeah, you know. And um, a lot of people died on that set. That's true. That's <laughs> Sorry, very true. Ahead. Yes. And so we try we, we we try to go upstairs to the room above us to again. It's always, you should be a debunker. Yeah. You know? Yeah, that's the, the skepticism is okay in the beginning. Right. <laughs> so, there was no room above us. Nice. It, th- there was just a sloped roof above us. That's sick. Was there a crawl space? Oh, no. There's nothing. Oh. There's so absolutely the, nothing. Open- it was just, like, it was our room and the roof. Wow. You know? And somebody, I told this story to a friend and he's like, well, uh, maybe it was the seagulls. I'm like, you're going to try and tell me that, uh, like, what, 20 seagulls are moving in unison <laughs> to rake their, their, their... It's a dance routine. Yeah, they're doing a dance. Dancing gulls. You know? Yeah. <laughs> and there wasn't a cloud in the sky. There no. wasn't nothing, you know? <laughs> and it was beautiful. That's I'm, awesome. Like, like th- these situations with these ghosts, like... Again, I have yet to see a, a full f- roaming vapor. A full <laughs> yes, no vapors. No vapors. But every time that I go to a place that is apparently ghost heavy, something happens. Yeah. You that's know? awesome. That's yeah. great. Well, they always say that the more you are open to it, the more you'll receive it. Yes. And I always the abyss stares back. Yes, the abyss stares back. And it's funny because I always looked at it from the the wrong side. I looked at it from the side of hearing that and going, oh, that's convenient. Okay, so everybody that wants to believe in ghosts gets to see ghosts. What a fucking convenient situation that is. But that was before... And I didn't, I didn't come to that through other paranormal... You know, I didn't have a, a personal experience with paranormal. What I... How I came to that was through, like... A completely different, like, spiritual aspect mm-hmm. entirely. Like, a whole different philosophy, different portion of life. Like, they teach those same principles, that simple saying of, you know, the more you're open to it, the more you'll receive it, the more you'll notice it. That right there is not just reserved for Bigfoot and ghosts. That's for anything in this world because it's like it's it's the same thing with people yeah like i mean it's 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 with conversation yeah you know like if you start a con if you won't start a conversation you're not going to receive it right exactly i mean you can break it down to be that simple you know you really can it's on that kind of level I have no desire to see a vaporous ghost. <laughs> I, it's almost like you don't need to. Yeah. You don't need that for... Pr- like, I don't need to see a... U- so, I don't need to see a UFO. Like, I have waited like 10, 15 years to see disclosure and being so excited. Now that we had it back a few months... Oh, yeah, by the way, that happened. Wasn't talked about for more than like a day. And me included, because 
who put it out? Who were, you know, it's, it's like, I don't trust anything I see anymore. <laughs> Dude. Like, I don't know. This is probably something that five years from now they're going to come out and be like, oh, yeah. Just like you never saw our spy planes back in the 50s. Like, these well, are just speaking more of spy technology. Planes in the 50s, how about, like, the Black Knight satellite? Right. You know? Oh, my God. We should do an episode on the Black Knight satellite. You know? That shit's really cool. I think that thing was talking to um, Philip K. Dick. Oh, very possible. Big time. All all the time. Like, I mean, he wrote Valus, or Valus, however you pronounce it. Valus was that entity that he supposedly made contact with it a bunch of times. It was the Black Knight satellite. It very well could be. You know? That's a really interesting... Now, of course, in the public eye, if you look that up, you'll see it, quote-unquote, debunked. You know, of Black course. Knight satellite? Oh, yeah. They have... The- the-, the mainstream has theories about that whole situation that kind of dullify it. You know what I mean? Well... The thing about that, though, is, like... Alright, forgetting about that for the moment. I love the fact that the Black Knight satellite... I mean, our satellites, our modern satellites, go on an east-to-west or west-to-east or whatever... Right. ...rotation. But the Black Knight satellite is going on this north-south... Right. And that's why we don't notice it and don't pick it up or something. I can't remember the explanation that people were given, but... I'm thinking... It's been a long time since I've looked into that. That thing's just on its own course. Being, I mean, maybe it's a relic of a old age. That's like, dude, yeah. You know? Especially when you get, when we will definitely get into like the question of you know our history and how far back it goes, which the science is seemingly being flipped on its head right now, big time in public forums everywhere, which is crazy. I mean, not it's not being broadcast all that much, but. Yeah, yeah, ancient civilization shit we'll get into. and Oh, we have so much. Yeah, if there was a prominent civilization, we're not talking super futuristic. I mean, there is that theory, and that's interesting too. But there's another theory, you know, mainly uh, like Graham Hancock likes to remind his audiences like, hey, I'm not talking about, you know, crazy futuristic Jetsons on the planet. I'm talking about maybe another civilization like ours. You know, their their future uncertain, but the Jetsons know. always freaked me out <laughs> because I think it was funny that there was classism and racism still in space in this wonderful future. <laughs> that and the fact that they're just like you, you never knew how high up they were in their weird tower houses, right? And you know, you never saw the ground. No, I, of I couldn't not. watch the Jetsons. <laughs> I never I liked the Jetsons. Out. I never got into. I get a problem. I was a Flintstones guy. I, w- I would say but that I liked... was wicked horrible too. If you look back, I'll tell you this though: I, I really liked the old Nintendo game, like uh, the Flintstones, because at the end of the Flintstones Nintendo game, yeah, you met up with the Jetsons. Now that's interesting. Weird stuff. Ah, yeah. And thus, religion was born on the land of the Flintstones. I think so. <laughs> yeah. A future race comes down. Yeah. Look at that. That's nice. Bring it right back around. Yeah. <laughs> So, I mean, you mentioned the God Helmet, and that's a third piece to this weird technology that they bring into it. And so basically all these messages that they're supposedly getting through the Estes method are leading them towards all these weird, seemingly unconnected trails, but they always seem to connect because of synchronicity, right? Of course. I mean, the balloons, that was weird. And that connects right to us. How about your balloons, bro? Yeah, we're not going to get, like... We're not going to give every part of the story away, but for the most part, you can say that this show is about extremely unlikely 
coincidences that are bringing these folks to a certain point of view per se yeah. and it's becoming very obvious in the show that this they're being involved in something voluntarily but orchestrated by means that they don't understand and it, they think it's this author Greenfield Alan Greenfield who wrote Secret Cipher of the Ufanauts which was like they kind of figured out that that book had something to do with it by the weird letter from Terry Wrist, which was another part of this that, I mean, we're like I said, we're not going to give the whole thing away, but there's layers to this shit that, like, yeah, it's about paranormal investigators, but it goes way deep into possible, like, Terry Wrist is a possible spook from back in the day. There's people that verify that he actually did exist. And if it was right, the, there's a photo. That that chubby guy that talks right. that's like if this is the guy that I I'm remembering from back in the day, he spooked me and he talked about all sorts of secret government projects that he was involved in. And all it's fucking crazy, man, what they related to. So they so whatever, this theme that they're going for is saying that these very cryptic things are connected underneath the seams and it's bringing them to paranormal shit, UFO shit, ultra terrestrials like Mothman type things, places that seem to be the centers of energy and then it goes into um the fucking pan shit. It gets into old pagan philosophies and things like that where they're being led towards this idea of this spirit of the wilderness, this pan good old Baphomet. Yeah, perhaps? pretty much. Yep. That's another thing, like this symbol of Pan that is the personification of nature. If you look into the history of Pan, you find that it's the same writing, it's the same same type of writing as when referring to um, the serpent, the you know the evil from the from the Bible, right? And the, like, the presence of evil supposedly. And to go back again, like to grant knowledge. Or, you know, knowledge is power. Yeah. But with knowledge comes responsibility. Yes. You know? And people don't want to take responsibility for knowledge. No. They don't. But so much so that a lot of times that's where the eye rolling comes from. And they don't want to take responsibility for something that they don't know, but it might be a big, scary rabbit hole to go down if they decided to know. I mean, we live in a, we live in a world of so many white lies. Little white lies. Like, yeah. That people think that... I mean, you call it a white lie because it's supposed to be known as a good lie. Or an insignificant lie. Yeah, or an insignificant, and, or a lie that protects, you know? Yes. Because, I mean, you yourself as a parent, I bet you tell your son white lies. A little tiny, bit, yeah. Tiny bits, because you got to oh, keep yeah. them safe. Yes, exactly. But in a grander scale... It happens all the time. All the time. So, so yeah. telling large white lies to the masses as adults eventually is going to have... A humongous impact. Especially if it all comes out, and it seems to be slowly leaking out here and there. It just, you look around. It's not slow anymore. And it's really not. It's picking up, and that's exactly what we're talking about with Hellier and this podcast. Like, what brought us to do this podcast? What inspired a bunch of people that we've read about online that it inspired them to do things? Because Mm -hmm. the whole show is talking about a supposed ritual that the show, these things, these items, these events that happen in the episodes have to do with initiation for everyone. Yep. And it would it makes sense when you start looking at what's going on right now. It's hard to see it as significant because we have crap like this going on 
off and on all the time. Not the pandemic, but everything else, all the racial disturbances and like that shit's on fucking common cycle. They pull, you know, the media controls what news stories we see. So clearly they're pushing a narrative when those news stories come out and a million other news stories are ignored. Just like we don't know what the hell's going on overseas in the war right now. Where is the war? What's happening? It's going on somewhere. It's we not know that. popular news anymore. It's not popular news it's, right now. It's not selling. Yeah. Um, yeah. It's not convincing us of something. I'm not saying the that the COVID's a hoax or anything like that, but what I'm saying I'll is say, like, I'll, I'll say the, the, uh, I will not want to say the COVID's a hoax, but I'll say the source of the COVID might be a hoax. Might be fucked, yeah. There's yeah. a lot of things that are fucked about it. So yeah, the God Helmet that we were mentioning before... Uh, it uses magnetic signals with, you know, electrodes on your head to gently stimulate the brain, eliciting sometimes spiritual sensations, moods, and experiences. I think they tried to develop this um, to help schizophrenics years ago. And I remember it hearing that too, yeah. did not work, did mm-hmm. not help, but... Did it's they a, did they call it the I wonder what, if they called it God Helmet? I think ben. that was actually the pet name for it by the people Gee. that made it. Like it wasn't uh like it was probably like fucking Project 23797L, you know. <laughs> but yeah, the God Helmet's what they called it. So anyway, they do that along with the Estes method where this person who can't hear anyone outside of themselves, they're just throwing out words from the spirit box is communicating with the person who also has sound-canceling headphones and is just talking because she's receiving something from the signals that are attached to the radio waves on her. It's fucking crazy, man. It's wild, dude. <laughs> and the stories that are coming out lead them to places. Like, what about the tin can? The dude had... Remember the dude talks about a tin can in his first Estes session? Yes. He's like, there's a tin can, I can see it, I'm visualizing it right in front of me. Because a lot of times this radio frequency sweeper, when it, because it's a storm of noise, you're picking out little bits of words here and there, but a lot of times you get swept up. It's people say that you can kind of elicit some sort of spiritual experience from that too, because of how sweeping the sound is and mm-hmm. everything. So he's literally like hallucinating a visualization of a tin can in a cave, and then. That's what episodes later. Yep, they find they're brought to a certain cave because of what messages they're getting from these sessions, and sure enough, there's the tin can, and it's fucking crazy. It's fucking nuts. Absolutely wild. Yeah. Absolutely wild. And uh, so I think we're gonna get more. We're gonna take a little break, and then we're gonna get into all the weird synchronicities that fans across the world went through when Hellier came out and what we went through too. Oh yes. And the podcast led here. From here, who knows where we're going. We're going to a lot of different places from here. We're going to review movies, we're going to do some music, we're doing all kinds of shit, man. And we're going to give you bibliomancy. Yes, biblio. And you know what? For the fans, let's do one now, shall we? Yes. Did you bring anything special or should of we course. just Let's do it. So basically what Bibliomancy is, it's a wait, we're going to flip open a page of a book that we choose. We're going to read something out of that book at random and see how it relates, if it relates at all. The drifting smoke of galaxies, the veils of matter, 
part and clear. Everything is ringing. Like cosmic alarm bells. The ultimate S.O.S. From a direction that has no name comes a sound like breathing. The whole continuum trembles as if cold. And there's a presence. As if I could reach out and touch something immense beyond understanding. Those words are from Final Crisis by Grant Morrison. Whoa. The DC Universe. <laughs> Dude. Uh, I think it was evident right there that that totally related of course. to everything we're talking about. Uh, an SOS from the universe. Yes. <laughs> Literally, that's what Hellier's talking about. It seems these guys kind of feel like this initiation has been happening through like the personification of nature almost. Like, Absolutely. It's almost like a process. That's a very, it's a very good way to put it, yes. And what's interesting, I've been getting into a lot of um, like... If you look at what's going on cosmically and uh, with our sun right now, and you look at uh, astrology, you look at um, the Vedic text from thousands of years ago, mm. they all seem to be lining up with this. Like, for instance, we're going to get into it on the show, definitely. There's a great, great topic to get into, which is how we came about having our calendar and how it may not be wise to overlook what years it would be right now had we stuck to a different calendar. How right now could actually be that age well, of I Aquarius. Know. I mean, I'm pretty sure that... <laughs> that I mean, coming I, age. I believe, like, doesn't the Jewish calendar, isn't that different now? And, I uh, think Compared so. to our I, current years, and I believe the Chinese calendar is different to it, current yeah. American years, and I, I believe There's so many countries There's some line of thinking are, that puts us, like, already in the age of Aquarius that lines up with astrology. Yeah. And that would be like the age of awakening and shit like that. And of course, to our audience members, I apologize if that sounds a little woo-woo, but we're going to get into why there's some rock-solid foundational shit for us to follow these things. We're entering a solar minimum right now for the first time in about 300 years where, as before, when that happened, the fucking enlightenment occurred. <laughs> so, I mean... It could all be coincidence, or it's synchronots. And it is certainly the Aeon of Horus. Ah, uh, yes it is. Yes. But, um, yeah, we're going to take a break, and we'll be with you after this. It said, you guys realize you're doing an initiation night. You realize you're doing, you're doing some kind of a ritual. think could be doing that and to what purpose should we stop doing if it is a ritual of some kind should we stop Or it might be an hour and a half. 
worked by Michinari. Who, who is behind it? Probably what is a better question to ask. What I, what I think very strongly is that if you continue to do what you're doing, things will fall in your path. This is a gift to you. You're on the path. Because if you were, you wouldn't have had these two, the synchronicity. Every synchronicity says you're on the path. The synchronicity stop when they become vague, and you're off the path. Hell is an interesting thing because that was the first thing that I noticed. They're going to hell here. I just wanted to check in with the current state of the world and say, hey, I hope you and your family are doing well. Yeah. And she happens to respond to that text maybe over a month after I messaged her to say, hey, we're doing well. I hope you're doing well, too. On the day that we intended to record our first episode, and she is our mutual friend who we met through. Yeah, that's wild, man. It certainly is. She introduced us. She did. All those years ago. Many, many, many years ago. We used to have some killer parties there. Oh. The bonfires, Good man. God, and hanging out in the barn for hours and hours and hours. Yep, playing music. Her so da- many bands discovered. Her dad's a heck of a guitarist. Yeah, he was always And a piano fun. player. Yeah. You know? Yeah. It always turned into a, a big sing-along. That was fun. Yeah, it was like... <laughs> and being in metal bands, mostly for me, and industrial work and all that stuff, like... Yeah. Industrial work. It sounds like I'm a construction worker. Industrial music too. But it's industrial work. Yes. But um, so I'm not a jam band guy. But with him, man, you just fall into you, it. You get right there. <laughs> he, he's he's a living synchronicity. Oh, dude. Yeah, that man yeah. is just good. A good soul. Oh, absolutely. Great guy. So so, so we go back to um, all the way back in the time travel of now, messages. Let me ask you before we get into this, like. How strung out did your did your did your place become? Did you have like lines attaching different yellow notes on the walls to everything? It was <laughs> because it looked you went crazy. You went balls to the walls with this. I did. It was it, it was like um, you know I had I notes five all over the months walls. of conversation. It was it was as if I was a character on the X Files trying to connect everything back to 1947 Roswell. You know. <laughs> And uh, that's it, awesome. It resulted in five handwritten pages of notes, that's which great. I went back over and um, highlighted the key coincidences and synchronicities. That's great. Starting with, tell me, Andy, about February second balloon coincidence. Your <laughs> your two year old picked a balloon. That's right. I completely forgot about that. Yeah. So we should talk about that. Is that no one has a clue what that even means? We, yeah. Well, did we bring? Did we even bring up the balloons last time? I don't think I we don't did. Think we did. So um, the balloon thing. What would you say about it? Like in Hellier, it's like um, it was a story they heard about a guy finding multiple balloons out randomly over the course of a few days or something, and it was on his birthday, and the birth and the balloon was like happy birthday. I can't that remember sounds, the origin I mean, of it. Yeah, because we, I mean, we watched Hellier so long ago. Yeah, you, that, you went sound, back through some episodes recently, and so I didn't did I, get. I did not get that far back into the balloon thing. I, I got the end of the balloon thing where they 
found the last one where they had pulled over on the side of the road because a log had been randomly I love that. put I in remember the middle of the that. road. Yes, I remember that. And sure enough, like 30 feet away from them was a silver balloon just glinting in the sunlight. It was right where the log fell. Yeah. It's like as right if somebody there. tied it to a tree right next to them. Exactly. You know, and so then I remember, I think you were at that point in the Hellier documentary and that's like right that's when you the episode got... so not that episode but one of the earlier balloon coincidence episodes that because they had like they told the story of where the balloon thing came from and then they had a couple incidents that led them so when they pulled over that day with the log in the road at that point there had been so much about the balloons that it was like you got to be fucking kidding me! How did it, this happen? It's like Pennywise from Stephen King's. That's it, what it feels like. Little know? signposts, yeah, almost, but yep. like not, not in a negative way necessarily. No, no, no. It's just. But either way, hiya, Georgie. You'll have to watch Hellier to get the full balloon story. But basically, all these weird coincidences, coincidences keep happening, and they keep finding balloons popping up and stuff like that, and just yep. little signposts, and. Uh, so I watched one of those episodes of Hellier, and then I went upstairs for the first time into the living room, and bam, right in my face was a big silver happy birthday balloon, and I shrieked out loud and, and you nearly woke me, up my family. Dude, you, you text me like, holy shit, <laughs> look at this. And then that's, that's one of the moments that really turned my head for good, like it kept me there, like holy shit, okay. So this Hellier thing, and that was before they started getting into the idea of Hellier being like an initiation ritual for anyone watching. Oh yeah, that's real early on. Yeah. yeah. That's fucking crazy. Where just like the coincidences and synchronicities, serendipities and kismets are all just... They're fluff not, at that point. They're like fluff in the beginning. They're, they're not, like, I okay, mean, they're, they're not taking them as fluff. They're not, no. You know. Because they know. <laughs> yeah, and any viewer might be like, well, that's interesting, that's interesting, and, you know, and from yeah. that it goes from there. Now, you tell me that um, you had a, the privilege of Andrew Collins from Ancient Aliens. You posted about that balloon on social media. Yeah, and sure enough, of one of uh, a bunch of people that liked it was that dude from Ancient Aliens. I was like, holy shit, I was just having a conversation with someone about Andrew Collins and his most recent trips to, like, Egypt. And it it was just really weird that and that right there. Even alone, that a guy like that would have time to randomly like his exactly his Facebook a very very things on busy Facebook. person very busy yeah yeah definitely so it was pretty wild. So and that was all just on February second. All that was just in one day. That's fucking you know? ridiculous. So on February third, I go to my favorite comic book shop to pick up to start reading um, Grant Morrison's The Invisibles. Ah yes, and I hadn't started reading it yet. That was like my data to pick up the series. And to set the stage here, The Invisibles is one of the most like dark and twisted and secret wisdom type shit that's out there. It was like Certainly. it influenced the Matrix. Yeah, and Grant Morrison's a uh, I don't know if I would practicing call it, chaos. Yeah, magic. you could I mean, certainly a chaos magician, but certainly uh, yes, like I, I'm sure he, he may call himself something else, but I mean to to just encompass it, yeah, like. He's, he's he's a proprietor of many interesting esoteric stuff. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so, with the intention of picking up his work at the comic book shop, I bring uh, volume one to buy that, and I get to the cash register, and the cashier says, "Hey, do you want some free comic books?" <laughs> and I'm like, uh, "I mean, who would say no?" 
you know? Yeah, exactly. So I'm like, well, well, sure. Two of the three books... Now, I'm sure they weren't the exact issues that had my fingerprints on them from 20 years ago, but two of the three books that I get for free comics are books that I sold the comic book shop. That's wild. Yeah, so, I remember that story. And they're the most random, out-of-the-blue out of comics. <laughs> like, uh, it was Shadow Man issue 19, where Shadow Man meets Aerosmith. The, the band? Yes. Aerosmith, Whoa. the band, is in the book. And also a Darker Image number one, which was when Image Comics was trying to do a darker, well, darker image. And, Interesting. Um, but they were books that I saw no value in what you know when i was a teenager and i was like all right or, and i was like here you go and i sold them because you know you need you need 20 bucks so you sell 100 exactly. comics you know? yeah definitely but, i used to do that with dvds and vhs tapes before that oh yeah <laughs> so to get I, I get into the car with grant morrison's invisibles volume one and i i open the free books and i see those two incredibly <laughs> the odds of that the universe brought them right back to you of course have you, have you uh, revisited any of it Ah, they weren't so good oh. you know they weren't great but <laughs> the synchronicity ended there. <laughs> yeah. Oh, but it never ends. It no, never, of course never not. ends. Never ends. So, so yeah, what's next? Well, it was on February fourth where you said, "Shit, we should do a podcast." You know? Ah, February fourth is the fateful day, huh? Yeah, yeah. It took us until July to start and thinking about it seriously. I remember when you texted me, "We should do a podcast." I was playing Red Dead Redemption. <laughs> oh shit! And I reached a point. Where there was a floating suitcase. Interesting. Like a, a complete glitch in the Xbox Matrix. <laughs> so I'm looking at a floating suitcase in the game as you message me that we should start a podcast. That's pretty wild. So I'm like, well, what does that symbolize? Yeah, seriously. <laughs> <laughs> glitch. Oh, and then, and then on February 27th, you ask me... Have you ever heard of the comic book The Invisibles? Oh, that was a fun coincidence. Yes. Yeah, because I, I had just started looking into Grant Morrison. Right, right, right. And then I say, oh, well, I'm halfway through book one. <laughs> <laughs> ah, this is a very good one. You tell me to listen to, what is it, the uh, the Brotherhood of the Snake? Brothers of the Serpent Brothers podcast. of the Serpent podcast. And yes. When I, listen, when I start a podcast, I just... I will listen to the most recent episode and when I finish that then I'll cycle through on like episode titles and find something interesting yeah I'm so, starting to do the same thing I was going chronologically but I take your advice and I start listening to the most recent episode of the, that Serpent podcast mm -hmm. which is episode 133 Ooh. I go to Dunkin Donuts my order you know how they print your order number on your, on your coffee and yeah. on the bag was 133. Ooh. Pretty good. Oh, it, it gets thicker. It gets <laughs> thicker, heavier, and deeper. So then, uh, let's see here. Jumping, jumping. J jump through the notes. Jumping through the notes. This is fantastic. I feel like Indiana Jones. <laughs> but it's my own life. <laughs> On It's my own digital footprint it that seems, I'm researching. It seems between February and March, we didn't have much text uh, coincidence contact. But then in, on April 2nd, I'm watching the news, and I just found this interesting for a synchronicity, no. that they're talking about the, a, a ver the heaviest and first density of the coronavirus is in a place called Corona, New York. Oh, that's weird. Oh, it is. <laughs> on April 30th, uh, you said that your friend mentions Saturn 
Oh. As yes. I'm as I'm watching the Castlevania Netflix series, which uses the sigil of Saturn, I, like you text me the word Saturn, right. and it's right there on the TV. That's awesome. So believe what you want, but the reason why we were talking about Saturn was because if you don't know, Saturn has this six-pointed shape. It's a hexagram. Well, I think. So anyway. Six walls. So that is on top of Saturn. It's like a storm. And it's been there forever, but only in, you know, the last time we got clear pictures of Saturn did we actually see that there's this perfect angled shape on top of Saturn. And there's apparently a lot of, if you look into it, there's a lot of Saturn worship in the past. And... Apparently that's probably where the Saturn sigil comes from. I'm assuming, isn't it? Isn't it the Star of David? Yes, that's it the is. Saturn sigil right there. Oh, okay, just that one thing right there. Yep. Oh, okay. Yeah. I thought this was. No, that's the Star of Babylon. Well, but many names. Also, but that star has a lot of seven points. That's a seven seven points, right? Yep. So the six pointed one from Judaism, but also. God, you know what? This is too heavy to get into. I feel like it's an episode in itself, and I don't want to say it the wrong way. So we'll probably come back to that. But there's some weird shit with I want to say, is that a Merkaba? No. You know what? It's a meditative... It's two triangles on top of each other that you meditate within. Right. Well, what I was shown was there's a connection with the symbol of the cross and also the shape on top of Saturn. We will certainly do an entire episode on star sigils and stuff. Oh, yeah, you know. yeah. This note says, Ancient stone walls in New England woods, a balloon bumped into your windshield. Oh, yeah, uh, I you, remember that and one. And you were listening to a yeah, podcast after the, oh, of sorry, mysterious man. stone chambers of New England. Yes, so that whole, that was like in the course of like three hours all that shit happened. So yeah, after that initial balloon thing when I came upstairs, mm. then it started happening to me. I literally started seeing balloons like interacting with me <laughs> randomly. Hiya, Andy. Do you want a balloon? Yeah, seriously. Uh, like looking for Tim Curry around every corner. But, um, so that time, yeah, the same day, I was talking to you about the stone structures in New England, because my wife and I had just taken a walk with our son, and I was telling her that there's a theory about all these stone walls throughout New England, deep in the woods, that a lot of them you can dig down, and they're, they're a lot deeper than they look, and they're a lot older than they look, and people just associate it well, with you gotta, you calling gotta, it... you got to figure how much sediment over, right, over centuries... Course. Exactly, and then just grass grows and grows and grows. Well, and it tells really you how it. old it really is too, because mm-hmm. they associate it with people from like the sixteen, seventeen hundreds. But what they actually think now, or at least some people have reported and done research on the idea that this is actually shit that druids built, because there is possibilities. There's stories about druids fleeing Scotland and Ireland. You know, when Saint Patrick, quote unquote, got rid of all the snakes. Yeah, it's very interesting to go down that pathway. But yeah, we were talking about the stone structures. Then I turn on a podcast in the car, and there they mentioned the New England stone structures. On in the your woods. mind, there it is. And then, and then a you fucking hear balloon hits my windshield, and I'm on the highway. How fuck? <laughs> like, dude, I can't make this shit up. I mean, it was crazy. I yeah. could make. I could make this. Shit. I'm creative enough. You I could, could make it. Up. I could be making this up. You could, but we're not. But I'm fucking not. Here's a synchronicity that the fact that I actually got to a point where I'm rewatching season two of Hellier episode two, the guy that's usually filming, so you mm-hmm. don't see him much. Right. I don't remember his name, but he says the same thing. He's like, you know, we could make this up, but 
and he says like if I hadn't experienced it, I wouldn't believe the person talking right, about it. Right, yes. Yeah. They do a whole... They, they really kind of cover their bases with that. Like, they kind of... And that by that point, I was on board with them. Yeah. But hearing them say that kind of helped me reconfirm it because it's like... It's really... Yeah, these guys aren't fucking actors. It's they, really tough. It's really tough. Like, they're actually bad actors if they're trying. They're not... Yeah. Yeah, they're just normal people. Yeah. There's and a it, lot of dead spots in the story. Yep, and again, I want to also point out the fact that Mysterious Universe had these people on. And Mysterious Universe doesn't have people that are bullshit. Those Aussies their... are fucking seriously yeah. funny, but seriously educational, too. I, I listen to them as often as I can. You know? well, they're and one of the longest-running podcasts of this years. kind of thing. I think 23 years. Yeah, it started out as a know? radio show? Or has it really been that long that podcasting has been around for 23 years? I don't know. It I probably know. has It's 2020 been. now, so pro- maybe. Oh, you know? Shit. Yeah. So on May 7th, you and I had a conversation about Amaruka Americo Vespucci, oh, which yes. is not a, a, a coincidence conversation, but it's a, something worth talking about. So, w- from just your memory, you want to share anything about Amaruka Americo Vespucci? We can g- definitely give like a nice little preview for clearly something that an episode will take place on. Because yeah. if I were to tell all the amazing things about just that word, Amaruka. It leads to so many other stories, mm-hmm. and that's where you, you'd have to reel me back in and sedate me, <laughs> because I'd be going so far off topic. But I will say that Amaruka means land of the serpents. That is where I'll leave it off, because maybe some listeners will go out and check out what that possibly means, what that could be connected to. Or we can, you know, eventually we will definitely get into and that, if because... If listeners would... would, would search on that. I'd also like to recommend they search on um, the Serpent Mound in uh, Peebles, Ohio. All that history in there has been not debunked, but what they have there about saying oh, it was done by this civilization at this time has been rewound. Like, they know that it's they recently understood that it's much older than even the history that was allowed to be understood and what's shared at that place. That's been happening a lot lately. Yeah. we Actually, I just posted something on the Synchronauts page recently uh, about uh, just further evidence, more and more evidence being gathered to push back the America's timeline, like the first time people were here. Evidence of society here, it just keeps getting pushed further, further, further. Yep. But uh, some Synchronauts out there made some good points. I saw that. Good comments. Lots of there. lots of good comments. Lots of good conversations going on. Yeah, I like yeah. it a lot. But um, that that whole thing is is permeated throughout the world right now. There's so many uh, archaeo- archaeological teams and geology teams that are are coming together and sharing very alternative ideas. You know, uh, despite what the accepted authority says on the matter. And it's cliche to say it, but you know, history is written by the winners. It really is. I, I don't think that. People hear that and they hear a poetic expression that they've heard a thousand times. But, but when you really think about it, it's every little bit of the history. Yep. So how much of it are you trusting? History is controlled by dictators. I mean, yeah, you know, on five uh, eleven, we said my birthday. We had a <sighs> we had a conversation about Orion and the DMT molecule. Ooh. You sent me a picture of the DMT molecule and That's the constellation right. of Orion. That's right. And they're shaped the same. They are so almost exactly the same. Oh, and there's so much. That's an episode from so many different angles. Oh, or yeah. That's like four episodes in there, right there. Like, I would love to talk about the connection from Orion to the Bible. 
That would be a great story to tell. Like we're saying, Synchronauts, we're just trying to let you know where we're going to be going in every direction. We're just sharing our notes with you, and you can share your notes with us. On June 6th, um, I had mentioned to you that uh, our producer was going to be in Sweden for work. And I turn on NBC News, and I I know every news channel leans in a direction one way or another. Of course. But... I, I do like the presenter on NBC News because he's a bass player, Lester Holt. I like that guy. Because, you know, <laughs> he, he's, and he's a good bass player, you know? Um, They're all chasing dollars. None of them are evil. Of course. Of course. And, you know, as it works with, with, with most people in positions, they're, they're, they share what they're told to share. Exactly. But anyway, the, the point is, I had told you that Oren was going to be in Sweden. Right. The, the story, I, I turn on that news that night, and it's a story about how the coronavirus is spreading in Sweden. Oh, Jesus. And he was heading there. He was probably heading there to stop it. <laughs> you know, I think so. I really do. Uh, so, um, so yeah, that's cool that we, um, we've gotten past my birthday, at least. We're getting sort of close. And to it's, the present. It's fucking awesome. I'm so glad you did this, because these, think of this, guys. Every conversation you have online or in text, like, I, you have the ability to go back, but, I mean, my God, it's so meticulous and annoying to do so. But how many conversations have we forgotten about with our friends and family? <laughs> I'm so glad. Like, you know how sometimes to free up space on your phone, you'll delete messages and shit? Right, yeah. I was like, no way am I deleting ours. That's, Not right that's now. That's a thread that's no, staying. This is a thread that needs, you know? yeah, it has relevance. <laughs> so th- then there's um, some good stuff some for a while, you know, and then, uh, but nothing necessarily uh, serendipitous, you know. Okay, that's fair. Yeah, but then we get to... Um, More ideas for episodes. Of course. <laughs> So, there's uh, the time that I'm again. I'm I'm at the restaurant. I, I'm you know reading reading Invisibles. You know, it's July second, and um, I my bookmark got soiled by like I don't know sauce from my meal or something. So I needed a new I needed a new bookmark. So I go into my car and I, I'm reading the words in the book because I, I wanted to finish these couple of pages before I actually started driving. I needed a new bookmark, and it's... A character in the book says, you can set it down right now. And a receipt falls out of my visor right into my book <laughs> yeah, for a new bookmark. You texted me about yes. that. Yes, I'm yeah, like, right. dude! That's, that's awesome. You and have then, a lot of things falling at you. I do. <laughs> yes, and funny you say that. It's like, we haven't gotten to the... To the that, rain. The rain? Remember the rain? Okay. Then, later, the next day... I'm uh, reading the book. I'm outside at a table, and there's not a there's barely a cloud in the sky, and there's a character in the book doing a rain dance. That's right. And I start to feel rain dripping on my arm. Like what? that's wild, dude. <laughs> and I, I'm, I'm texting him like, dude, it doesn't stop. Oh shit! Wait, I'm getting the date wrong. That was the same day as the bookmark, and that was July second. Okay. July second being the anniversary. Of um, 1947 Roswell. Holy shit, that's great. And there, so it's July 2nd in this reality in 2020, and in the book, it's they're talking about Roswell. July 2nd, 1947. That's fucking crazy. And I didn't realize that part of it. Yeah, Holy yeah, shit. yeah. Sorry to uh, get the dates wrong there, as, no, as I hand wrote these notes, you know. <laughs> and uh, so we were hanging out on July 7th, and I remember I left my Thor's hammer here, my Thor's hammer. Oh replica. yes. And the first song when I hit on my 70-hour playlist in, in my car 
is the song Body Hammer by Fear Factory. That's fucking when I awesome. hit my when a, I hit my drive to home. A band that's totally classic in your life. Oh yeah. And that fucking hammer sure. pops right up. And I'm like, shit, I forgot Thor's hammer. Oh, body hammer. Oh wow. <laughs> so here's a good one. On July fifteenth, you had mentioned that new uh, Hulk comic book. You you messaged me that. Yep. And I'm I flipped to like three pages later. In Invisibles? You, yes. Yeah. Because you said Oh, on this podcast, they're saying it's like the Hulk meets David Lynch. Right, yes. And I turn three That's pages right. later, and David Lynch's name is it's in the in Invisibles the book. Comic book. Like, what? That's great. I'm glad that I uh, helped you break the ice on loving comic books, man. But you got to yeah, pick and man. choose. you got to pick and choose. Well, know? I mean, I think I just, I put it, I put the idea away a long time ago, yeah. and just never went back to the idea. So we're at the end of the notes. The end of the notes. And it's probably the best one. Oh, man. So that same day that you, that with the David Lynch you say, and of course, David Lynch being his incredible creative self he is, you know. And very uh, spiritual and esoteric. And oh, yeah. Pretty weird. You know. Fucking weird. So... As I'm about to get up and leave uh, the restaurant, I'm sitting outside, you know, I notice this um, lady and her father, he's having a problem uh, getting up from the table and getting to the car. I'll just read this word for word, kind of. An old man is having a problem getting to his ride from his table, so his daughter says she'll bring the car to the restaurant curb. Do you need help? I ask her. And she says no. And as the old man is slowly making his way to the car, so the daughter says to her father, um, she says, you're two-stepping, Mr. Mason. As I read in Invisibles, Mason, I want you to stay here. This could be dangerous. Oh, yeah, that's right. Yep. Yeah, that was like, weird, man. Oh, yeah, weird. So I, <laughs> so I hear a, uh, this girl say, you're two-stepping, Mr. Mason. And I read in the book. That's wild, man. I, as I gotta, then, oh, and then, oh, and then, yeah. oh, oh it, it, this is the end here. As you tell me that you had a lengthy talk with your father the previous night about his grandfather and Freemasonry. Oh, my grandfather, yes. Yes. And Freemasonry, yes. Triple Mason. Yeah, triple, my... triple Mason synchronicity. <laughs> That's pretty How's cool. How's that shit? So, just to prove the point a little bit further, we gathered up a bunch of stories from, uh, from Reddit under the Hellier sub. These are a bunch of stories... From fans out there that basically experienced a lot of the same shit we're talking about. Mm -hmm. Because like I said, they proposed the idea that whatever they're being led to do in that show possibly could be an initiation for everybody. For everybody. And I've only, you only shared a bit of these notes, so I'm very excited to hear these. These are fun. These are definitely fun ones. I was re-watching season one a few months back. Really, it was on the background as I was on my laptop. Read a Reddit thread that mentioned Carl Jung. Read a Reddit. Read a Reddit. Read a Reddit. At the same time, I looked up at the screen, not sure the episode, but it was season one of Hellier, and a Carl Jung quote about synchronicity was on the screen. That's a good wow. one. Wow. That's cool. And especially, I mean, Carl Jung being, you know, anyone that's not familiar with who Carl Jung is, oh. he's a very, very, very important character in... Um, Expanding consciousness. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Okay, so moving on. I finished watching season two this morning after bringing the first eight episodes, binging the first eight episodes last night. I had a few small synchronicity moments this morning. Mother next to me at the grocery store calling out to her two sons, Carl, Connor, come here. So Carl and Connor are characters from, or <laughs> I keep saying characters, the people in Hellier. Yep. Carl, yeah. Uh, so that's cool. As I leave the car park, I pull up behind a car with a pyramid third eye bumper sticker. 
Finally, I go to a friend's house and run into an acquaintance I haven't seen in almost a year. His name is Chris Hillier. H-I-L-L-I-E-R. Hillier? Hellier. I didn't even connect the two until getting back in my car about an hour later. I am intrinsically feeling like there is some kind of larger initiation ritual happening with this series. I feel like my enthusiasm and interest in the space in between has suddenly been re-sparked and I've been thrown back into orbit around the topic. That's really cool. Where was he? So, wait. After binging the first eight episodes, and then he talks about this being possibly a larger initiation. But the first eight episodes, they haven't mentioned that yet. So this guy was actually talking about a feeling he was having about waking up and having, you know, looking around to his friends and people around seeing a, a larger waking up scenario happening before they even talk about it in the show. That's cool. Precognition. It's all connected. About halfway through season two, I started taking notes in my journal. This is a new writer, by the way. This is uh, number three. New person. Yes. About halfway through season two, I started taking notes in my journal. Now, that that would have been something good for me. Because then I wouldn't have had to go through so much again, because I did not remember half of the shit that I, I eventually looked at. Hey, you're talking to somebody that went five months back in our text messages. Yeah, no shit. Time travelers, man. <laughs> the opposite page is a to-read list I started earlier this year. When I got to Season 2, Episode 8, I had a little genuine what-the-fuck moment when I looked over and saw the same title that I'd written down weeks ago on my to-read to list, The Secret Commonwealth by Philip Pullman. Hang on, wait a second, what? So, he had a list going, just for himself, like a to-read list, which I have. I have a whole list of books I haven't read yet. Uh, When he got to Season 2, Episode 8, he had a little genuine WTF moment, because he looked over and saw the same title that he'd written down weeks ago on his to-read list. So they mentioned this book. In the Secret, Yeah, The Secret Commonwealth Ah, by Philip Pullman. It's 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 an occult book. Yeah, and okay, wow. They, yeah, that's pretty ma- amazing. Oh, that's so what they I just th- written that oh, down. wow. Big, wow. That's cool. So, this is the next one. I've been having a lot of synchronicities with books related to the show. Just today, I put The Trickster and The Paranormal in my Amazon cart while watching season two. That book has so been two in... two separate books? Or? Uh, I think that's one book. The Trickster and the, and the Paranormal. Okay. Which, of course, those two are super related. Yep. And they're both discussed on Hellier. Uh, that book has been in my wish list for years. Ah, so he had it in one Amazon list. And he moved it to the next one. So he made... He went from, like, the commitment ring to the engagement ring. He was like, you know, I promise someday I'm going to buy you but I'm just not ready to make the commitment. And he finally did it. So he moved that. Um, okay, so he moved that to... Uh, it's been in my wish list for years. No idea why I decided to finally buy it. Five minutes later, they show a copy on Hellier, and Greg starts talking about it. Very cool. A lot of book synchronicities. Oh, yeah. All while growing up in eastern Kentucky. Okay, so this guy was right in the heart of it, mm-hmm. because that eastern Kentucky is where all those big cave systems are. That's where all the Hellier shit was happening. Hellier is a town in Kentucky. And that's where they thought that their story was going to lead them, and nowhere else they were going to go investigate some fucking goblins. Goblins. But then the story gets way weirder from there. Funny thing is, they never... The goblin part never gets solved. I mean, it just none goes of it. From none there. of it really gets solved. I mean, that's a you know, hello, Hellier's not done yet. I mean, the thing is, it's coming out organically. You're not going to expect a certain amount of seasons in a certain amount of time. Like that's not happening. Like they put out God, season two last... pretty awkwardly from season one, just just because 
of the timing of the work. If they're not having any experiences, I don't they're not s- trying to sell something they don't have. I don't want to spoil, but oh man, you know, yeah, you know, it's been a while. Getting, People can go check it out for themselves, of course. But I, hearing it from us too is fine. We can getting spoil into it. that last that that ritual to pan that um, Greg does at the end. You know? Oh, dude! Like you feel it. You get you get chills watching. Yeah, you know? it's pretty it's wild. So 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 good, so good. All right. So all while growing up in Eastern Kentucky, we heard jokes about there being dinosaurs in this place called Brushy. <laughs> okay, so the dinosaur's name is Brushy in Pike County. I'm pretty sure Pike County was where they were uh, they were staying at like hotels and stuff down mm-hmm. there. Um, it was just a running joke. I moved to Pike County, never went to Hellier, lived about 20, 30 minutes from it. When I was getting ready to turn on the very first episode, I told my wife it would be so funny if this was on Brushy. That's where all the weird shit happens. And it turns out that Hellier is on Brushy Creek. That's crazy. Wow. It was just so weird. You also have to think that Pike County is massive. You can spend weeks driving the roads and never take the same road twice. It isn't it isn't strange that I never knew that Hellier was on Brushy. That's pretty crazy. So the... Wow. So just coincidentally, it's on a creek called Brushy. Hellier, the town of Hellier. Like, it, it lays on top of a creek called Brushy. That's very interesting. If I get a third cat, <laughs> if I get a third cat, I'm going to name it Brushy. <laughs> okay. In the beginning, Tyler is talking about this story... Editor, ed, yeah, editor, editor, editorfa, editorfa. I remember <laughs> trying to say that before, and is making the connection to Aphrodite, the name of the story backwards. They continue explaining a bit more and eventually make the connection from Aphrodite, Venus, to Ishtar, who is an ancient Sumerian goddess that inspired Aphrodite. So the weird part for me, what you got? What's that? That's all of them. That's all. That's, of a, that's all the goddesses you're talking about. Oh, really? Right on your wrist? Yeah. That's fucking awesome. Yeah. That's a fantastic piece. So, uh, so the weird part for me earlier this week, I felt compelled to look deeper into Aphrodite. A little weird. So all of a sudden, immediately after I learned about Aphrodite, Venus, Ishtar, they make a reference to them on Hellier, a show that has nothing to do with goddesses. What the fuck? Oh, yeah, it's, it's pretty cool. Synchronicity. Right. Synchronicity. I get lots of synchronicities. Oh, okay. I didn't know what they were called until I watched the first season. Some days, it can be one right after another. My only one with the show is last week. I started watching again with my husband. When we went to bed, he checked his alarm to make sure it was set, turned to a radio station, and it was Connor and Carl on Coast to Coast. Wow. First word that we heard was synchronicity. Wow. That's pretty wild. That's pretty big. That's a pretty intense one. Okay. I like that. Got two more here. I've only recently noticed them in my life with regularity. I have had them before in my college years, but nothing like this. I also hope that means I'm living my best life. I believe they are. I would say so. But Dana makes the comment that she thinks synchronicities are meant to get your attention and not have your head in the sand, stuck in the mundane. I'm pretty mundane, though. <laughs> well, what a thing well for, we're so sorry to hear that. What a thing for someone to say about themselves as they're posting on the internet. Yeah. I'm pretty mundane. Sorry. I'm boring. Well, you're putting something out there. That's for sure. I mean, it's humble to, to maybe say that. But, you, you know, have confidence. But it's he's okay. living. He, he's hoping he's living his best life, but he, he feels pretty mundane. 
at the same time. So it's all right. He's a little confused. Sure. He's getting there. He's on the path. Yeah. So this one I put in bold because I needed to read it. This one's pretty cool. These small synchronicities, minor as they may be on their own, have added up just enough to make me feel connected to the show, as we all do to various extents. Even tonight outside by the fire in the backyard, the wind chimes I brought back from my new my trip to Kentucky as a souvenir blew hauntingly in the wind, oh, wow. taking me back to that dark cabin and that overwhelming feeling to get out of it. I now look at things much differently, aware that perhaps something is happening. My one regret from entering this new realm has to do with the loss of blissful ignorance. The phenomena is intriguing, but remember, no one who encounters what lies behind the veil is ever the same again. I'm not entirely sure I want to look any further into this. I used to be fearless out in the wilderness by myself. I used to yearn for wilderness travel. Now I think twice. That's very interesting. You know, we all have the ability to go, oh shit, and I had that completely wrong. Blissful awareness, not blissful ignorance. I yeah, mean, you know? I would say that too, because like I have plenty of people in my life that would totally roll their eyes at half the shit I say, but... None of this synchronicity notion stuff and, and awareness to what you can't see is necessary to be happy. Not but even close. when you understand the current of it, it's an option. Yeah, I mean, I think a lot more people out there are becoming aware of things because the the shady shit is becoming so transparent out there in our modern culture that even people that normally can just kind of turn their head or look away or even have like a two-dimensional opinion about something that may be a lot deeper, even they are starting to be like, wait, wait a second, the fuck is going on? Yeah, we're, <laughs> we're at a humongous breaking point. You can see it everywhere. And it's written everywhere too it's crazy i mean you mean like the the predictions for this yeah course, i mean you know? i'm not not necessarily prophecy but like it's kind of written not like a human touch to it like a nostradamus but more like it's written into cultural religious paths and and things that have been said back then and, and we get a lot of uh, information to put out there about it over time we you know we'll dive into each topic one at a time because you can't wrap your head around how much more to this reality there is in one conversation. You absolutely have to do it one at a time. And that's why it's hard. There is no tap someone on the shoulder and just release everything on them. I, we, it it's would be so convenient it's, if you could just tap much, someone on the much, shoulder. Too much. <laughs> too much all at once. You know? and I would say watching The Matrix is one of the best ways to explain what we want to talk about. That's a really great way to say it. <laughs> not not necessarily yeah. that we live in a simulation, but that is a topic. But, but just the do. idea well, that in ways we there are veils do. over our eyes. We certainly do live in a simulation. I mean, because there's things outside of us and there's things influencing what goes on here. Exactly. You know? I mean, nefarious or natural... The Matrix is still a good metaphor for what's happening to us. It's an awakening. It absolutely is. So, I know we're wrapping up. Yeah, we're about to wrap up. Let's also keep in mind, the Synchronauts are going to do suggestions on movies. Oh, hell yeah. Music. For sure. Books. And we're going to bibliomance. Yeah, bibliomance. Every time. Let's do it right now. Bibliomancy, bitches! We're going to a book called The Raw R.A., 
the raw material, and uh, the author is listed as by raw. Oh, <laughs> how convenient! A it's humble, the source. A humble messenger of the law of one. So let's see what we get right here. I am Ra. You must imagine a great leap of thought in this query. For at the last query, the physical, as you call it, universes were not yet born. That is beautiful. I'd also like to uh, recommend musically. Wonderful thing happened recently. Um, I actually got contact uh, with this band through one of my bands. The entire discography of this band just went up on Spotify. I recommend the entire discography of Pissing Razors. I remember that band. Yeah. Holy crap. Pissing Razors was awesome. Oh my god. And I, they're I, couldn't still ta- make, I couldn't even tell you what their songs were. They're still <laughs> making new stuff now because because Holy shit. Yeah. They got a new they got a new they got two new singles. They got Crushing Grip and another track that I don't remember, but it, it's really good, you know. Uh Wow. And uh yeah. That's yeah, pretty it, wild. It has nothing to do with synchronicities. No, that's fine. We're still metal as fuck, so we're going to share oh, some yeah. music shit. Oh, yeah. Pissing, <laughs> pissing Razors. Yeah, there you go. There's oh, your first yeah. metal music recommendation. Yeah. Pissing Razors. And next time we're going to recommend something gentle. Yeah, like Slaughtered Flesh. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, something, something nice. So, yeah, I guess this wraps up the first bout of synchronicities and stuff. We're, um, we're going to bring some cool shit to you. So stick around. And we'll we see hope, you next week. We hope that you love us as much as we love you, fellow synchronauts. Damn right. See ya. Love you. As the mysteries of time and space spiral around us, we have come here to bring you all back to yourselves. Synchronauts Podcast.